Is it still morning or? Oh, it's good morning, everyone. <laughs> My wife and I are very happy to be here. And as you have heard, we have been partnering with Mashoko Christian Hospital since 1975, but with us for the past 31 years. Uh, before my wife goes down to sit, we are going to sing a song in Shona. Do we have any people who can speak Shona here, who understand Shona? <laughs> uh, Shona is one of the two biggest languages in Zimbabwe, but English is the national language. And the song in English says that uh, <clears throat> God will not shame you, for he tells the truth. And those who walk with God will always tell the truth. The chorus goes, listen, God tells the truth. So believe me, whatever you hear here, that's what he says. Mwari hanga nyadzisi ano taura chokwadi. Mwari hanga nyadzisi ano taura chokwadi. Mwari hanga nyadzisi ano taura chokwadi. Mwari hanga nyadzisi chokwadi. Mari hanganya zisi ano taura chokwadi. Mari hanganya zisi ano taura chokwadi. Mari hanganya zisi ano taura chokwadi. Mari hanganya zisi chokwadi. Tererai mari ano taura chokwadi. Tererai mari ano taura chokwadi. Tererai mari ano taura chokwadi. Mari anganya zisi chokwadi. Vano famba na Jesu, vano taura chokwadi. Vano famba na Jesu, vano taura chokwadi. Vano famba na Jesu, vano taura chokwadi. Mari anganya zisi chokwadi. Vano famba na Jesu, vano taura chokwadi. Vano famba na Jesu, vano taura chokwadi. Vano famba na Jesu, vano taura chokwadi. Mari anganya zisi chokwadi. Tererai mari ano taura chokwadi. Tererai mari ano taura chokwadi. Tererai mari ano taura chokwadi. Mari anganya zisi chokwadi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much.
Thank you so much. I think now you know Shona, I can preach in Shona. <laughs> Again, I want to thank you for inviting us to come. We always want to take those churches that support us, not as supporters, but as partners in the ministry that we are in. We are from Mashoko Christian Hospital, which is in the country of Zimbabwe. Uh, Mashoko Christian Hospital was founded by Dr. Dennis Pruitt, an American uh, Second World War hero uh, who was also a surgeon. He was a pilot during the Second World War as well as a surgeon, and he came and started Mashoko Christian Hospital. We did not know the, how good he was in the Second World War until he died. He was a proud man. When he died, those of our friends who attended the funeral told us that they went through the uh, service with the coffin in the church. And towards the end of the service, a helicopter landed outside, written US Army or US something. And he was taken to Arlington, Virginia. That's where he was buried as a hero. He was the founder of Mashoko Christian Hospital Medical Evangelism. And he had other doctors who worked with him among them. And taking over from him was Dr. David Grubbs. Dr. David Grubbs and his wife, Eva, just looked around and found a young man who was introduced to them by Bob Smith, who was Dr. David Grubb's uh, brother-in-law. And he said, there's a young man here whom I think could make a good doctor. So he called me one day and said, could you walk me up to the post office? So I did. And he said, I heard you want to be a medical doctor as well as a preacher. I said, yes. He said, I'll help you, but you have to go through my footsteps. I said, what do you mean? He said, you have to go and become a preacher first before you go to medical school. So I said, that was fine. So I came to the United States in 1974 and went to Cincinnati Bible College. I was there for two years. Then I went to Ohio University in Athens, Ohio for my pre-med in zoology. After I completed there, I interviewed at several medical schools and did not get in. During those years, the chances were higher for you to go to medical school if you were a foreigner and you attended your pre-med at a university that had a medical school. But if you went to one that did not have, it wasn't that easy. And also, like at University of Cincinnati, where I interviewed, they wanted a class of 100 people. And only four were supposed to be foreigners, and not Zimbabweans, but foreigners. So it wasn't that easy. But anyway, after I failed to go to medical school, I decided to go for a master's degree in biology. 
and completed that at Moorhead State University in Moorhead, Kentucky. Then, after completing that, I went to Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana, uh, for my PhD. I did research in hemodialysis. We were developing a hemodialyzer for Eli Lilly. I was excited last month when my son, Robert, went for interviews at a company in Hebron, uh, in Hebron, Kentucky. When they heard his name, because that company sells uh, medical equipment, when they heard his last name, uh, they said, we have a machine here and one of the people who developed that machine has your last name. What is your father's first name? And he said, Zindoga. And I said, yes, it's Zindoga, Bungwes. I was excited to hear that. But also, when I was at Purdue, I was adopted by a certain family there. I became their firstborn, and they had six other children, <laughs> and that's John and Polly Mullen, who have been my parents since 1978. And one of my sisters is here, Lisa and her husband, Sean. Uh, may you stand so that you'll be recognized? She's right here, thanks. Thank you so much, thank you. They've been to Mashoko too, they came to visit us there. Uh, my father, Sir John Mullen said, uh, for him to come, he's ill now, he can't come. But before he got ill, he said for him to come to Zimbabwe, they would have to first build a bridge over the Atlantic and he would drive. <laughs> <laughs> he hated flying. <laughs> and that bridge has not been built, so he has not been there. <clears throat> but this morning, through the sermon and also through my talk during lunch, we want to impress you on how important serving the sick is. It's very important. And in doing so, we have physical needs that we want to share with you. Outside in the foyer, there's a glass table, curved glass table, we have there our um, address cards with names and phone numbers and email, but we also have a handout that can fit in your pocket. And this talks about a project that we are sharing with those who are partners, partnering with us about how to increase our budget, because we are running short on that. And we have called that project the 12 by 24 project. The 12 part is $12, and the 24 is 24 months. We want to challenge you to participate in our ministry by donating $12 per month for the next 24 months. 
The ways to give are on that paper. There are three main ways to give. One is that you could write a check to the treasurer of this church, and they will send the money to Aziz USA, which is our forwarding agency. The next one would be that uh, you go onto the website of Aziz USA, and there's a link there to where how you can pay. The third is you could send a check yourself. You could mail it, and there's an address on that. Please, as you go out, think about it and see if the Lord could use you to participate in our ministry through that uh, 12 by 24 project. This morning, I want to speak on a topic that has been part of my life for quite some time. This is about serving the sick. And I would like, in the end, for you to be moved to participate in ministries that serve the sick and to visit sick people in the hospitals in this community. Sick people are people who are in pain. Most causes of illness are accompanied by pain of some degree or another. Sick people are suffering physically and spiritually. When you receive people who are very ill, when we do, I don't know about here, but when we do at Mashoko Christian Hospital, you find that these people are not just in pain, but mentally they are asking if there is a God who can, who can save them from that illness. So that's why in our ministry we say we, we save people physically and spiritually. Sick people are fearful for their lives. They have the feeling of a distressful danger in their being. Sick people are fearful for leaving loved ones. Sick people are fearful of leaving the way, their ways of life, of life. They are unable to help themselves, so they need the help of others. Some are confused, but all of them are in need of someone to show them love. Our reading this morning is going to come from Job chapter 33, verses 19 to 26. Job 33, verses 19 to 26. I'll read. A man may be chastened on a bed of pain with constant distress in his bones, so that his very being finds food repulsive, and his soul loathes for choicest meat. His flesh wastes away to nothing, and his bones, once hidden, now stick out. Yet if there is an angel on his side, as a mediator, one out of a thousand, to tell him what is right for him, to be gracious to him, then his flesh is renewed like a child's. It is restored as in the days of his youth. 
He prays to God and finds favor with him. He sees God's face and shouts for joy. He is restored by God to his righteous state. There are three things that I want to share with you about serving the sick, about illnesses. One is that serving the sick is, very is a very important thing to God. If you are in a ministry that is serving the sick, God values that. And where do we get this from? If we go to Matthew 11, verses 2 to 5, Matthew 11, verses 2 to 5, we get the story of a time when John the Baptist was in prison. And he knew he was about to be killed. And I think, it doesn't say, but I think that he thought the Messiah, the one he baptized, had come to save him from that death. So he sent his disciples to Jesus to say, are you really the Messiah that was to come? And when they got to Jesus and asked him the question, are you the Messiah who has to come? He did not say, yes, I am. The words he used are words that reflect on serving the sick. They define his ministry. And in it, you see that if you are in, a, in medical evangelism, you are replicating this, the ministry of Jesus. He said this, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. That was his ministry. And this church and us have been in a ministry together to do just that. And we thank you for the support you have been giving us. But as individuals, I want to challenge you this today to in some way participate in serving the sick. Jesus also likened serving the sick to serving him. So it's not only that you'll be replicating the ministry of Jesus when you are serving the sick, but you'll be serving Christ. You'll be serving God through serving the sick. In Matthew 25, verses 34 to 40, some of the words are not in there, but says, then the king will say to those on his right, come who you are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was sick and you, you looked after me. And then people will ask, when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? 
and he will say, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Number two, serving the sick is an, ex, is, an ex, uh, is an act of extending Jesus' compassion to them. If you read the miracles of Jesus, the healing miracles of Jesus, he had compassion over that person and healed them. Compassion over that. And today, we need people who are serving the sick who will extend that ministry of compassion to the sick. In Isaiah 49, verse 13, we read, For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Matthew 14, 14, we read, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. In Matthew 20, verses 32 and 34, when two blind men were healed, when they received their sight, we read, what do you want me to do? This is in verse 32. In 34, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. So when we are in a ministry that serves the sick, we are going on or continuing with the ministry of, of compassion that Jesus had. Number three, serving the sick is a service that is very important here at home and on the mission field. Um, over 31 years ago, my wife and I were in Harare, the capital city of Zimbabwe, 300 miles north of Mashoko, which is out in the bush. I was developing my profession, and God was giving me success. I had already got a place to be a lecturer in the medical school in Zimbabwe, and also had high chances of starting a private practice. And that's when Dr. Grabs and his wife decided to come back to the United States on fellow for six months. So they asked us if we could come to Mashoko to cover for them for six months because they'd failed to get other doctors from the United States, they used to do that, to come for those six months. So we said, yes, we will come. And it was like we were happy to pay back to them for bringing us to the United States and for assisting in our education. So. We went for, we thought for those six months, and we told them, instead, we are going to be there for nine months, 
because the programs that I was about to start in government would have started nine months later. So we went to Mashoko. What we saw, what we experienced at Mashoko touched us. Some of it comes from those verses I've read to you, which I'll read again, verses 23 to 26 of Job 33, 19 through 27. I'll read 23 to 26. Yet if there is an angel on his side of the sick person, on the side of the sick person, if there is an angel on his side, a mediator, one out of a thousand to tell him what is right for him, to be gracious to him, then his flesh is renewed like a child's. It is restored as in the days of his youth. He prays to God and finds favor with him. He sees God's face and shouts for joy. He's restored by God to his righteous state. After reading this, after studying this, we, we said, who else should be this mediator? Who else should be this angel by the side of the sick person? Who else is that one out of a thousand to live in the sticks and serve the sick? Why only the grabses? We, we said, but going back to Harare is so important for earning money. There are two words that rhyme in the Shona language. One word is the word for God, is umari, which is M-W-A-R-I. And the other word is the word for money, which is mari, M-A-R-I. Only the W goes away. So we had to make a decision to go for mari, with God, or to go for mari, which is money. And we made a decision to go for God. And we have been in that service for the past 31 years. We, were, we are not the only people who were, who were impressed in such a way by serving the sick. The founder of the hospital, Dr. Pruitt, I told you about. After he had been there for four years, he wrote to his churches the impression serving the sick had been on him. And these are the words that he used. He said, medical evangelism is the best way in the world to put Christian ideals into action. You see with your eyes and touch with your hands and feel with your heart the love that Christ had for people when he helped them. This is made more wonderful now when you see the appreciation from a people who now understand that the love that God had for all people is now being manifested in his servants, those who serve the sick.
Um, I want this morning to ask you questions and to challenge you. Have you been in the ministry of serving the sick? I know as a church you have been with us at Mashoku. Is it your sincere service to serve the sick? Most people who have been sick and I've been sick would agree with me that serving, having visits from relatives, friends, uh, fellow believers, even from strangers, was very uplifting to their spirits and assisted them in their healing process. <laughs> I want to use a personal experience. In 2013, when we were going back from visits like this in the United States, and we're about uh, 30 minutes away from Johannesburg, from O.R. Tambo uh, Airport in Johannesburg. I turned to my wife and said, we have 30 minutes to go, and we don't want it to be our first thing when we land to look for a restroom. So I've been to the restroom. Why don't you do the same? So she said, I think that's good. So she went to the bathroom, and she came back breathless. I said, what, what happened? She said, I think I was about to die in there. I said, why? She said, I just got breathless and almost fell down. I don't know what was happening, but I almost died in there. I said, okay, sit down. We will see what will happen as we land, when we land. So we landed in Johannesburg. I took down our carry-on luggage, and then I said, okay, why don't you stand so that we walk out slowly, and she could not stand up. She was feeling, getting that feeling of dying again, shortness of breath, and I asked for a wheelchair for her. So she was wheeled out, and we're taken through immigration customs to our gate for the next flight to Harare our capital city. We had five hours, we had five hours to wait. After a short time, she said, let me test myself and go to the bathroom here at the gate and see how I feel. So she went, when she came back, I asked her, how do you feel? She said, ah, it wasn't as bad as on the plane, but still I feel some shortness of breath and some chest pain. I said, okay, let's wait. Then after another two hours, she said, let me test it again. So she went, when she came back, she said, I think I'm better. Then I said, okay, if you are better, let's go to the front, to the benches on the front, so that we ask the hostesses to allow us in first, so that we won't have to chase the others. So I carried our carry-on luggage down to the front, and she was following me, holding a Diet Pop, Diet Coke can. And when she tried to sit down, she collapsed. And she stopped breathing. And I, called for, I asked people to call for an ambulance. I asked the others to help me who were there, and no one came. 
Lucky enough, the ones I asked to call the ambulance did, and I resuscitated my wife myself. When she started breathing, and she was now sitting up, the people said, can we help you? Can we help you? And how can we help? I said, I said, don't worry because the ambulance has come. And I want to challenge you that God will be with you if you save the sick. Listen to what happened to me. In my carry-on, I had a big uh, desktop computer that was bought to me by people in this church. Brand new. I had it in there. And on the other side, I had my laptop in a bag. And I had other things in there. And my wife had her own bag plus another bag with a lot of things. You know how women pack. <laughs> there are things that she didn't want to leave. I got extra human power from somewhere to carry all those things to run after the ambulance. Because the ambulance, people just got the person and ran to the ambulance and I ran and we went. She was in intensive care with pulmonary embolism for four days. Pulmonary, pulmonary embolism kills 70 to 80% of those people with it. But mine did not die. And I was shown a lot of love by strangers whom I didn't know in the hospital. A year later, we had another situation. She was having pain, chest pains. And she had to have three, uh, uh, she had to have three uh, bypasses in South Africa. And again, I felt the need for love I felt the need for people to be with me, to pray for me, and to have the feeling that I have. You know, just uh, last year, I looked at that uh, computer, I looked at my laptop, I looked at her bags, and wanted to recreate that situation, and I couldn't carry those things. So I had God by my side to give me that extra strength. You too will be given extra strength by God if you participate in serving the sick. I wish to end this message by challenging you to love and visit the sick and to arrange to come for a short-term ministry at Mashoko to experience serving the sick so that you will see with your eyes and touch with your hands and fill with your heart the love that God had for all people when he healed them. Let us pray. We come to you, our Heavenly Father, at the end of this service to thank you for the opportunity you have given us to share about serving the sick. We thank you for healing our sick. We thank you for uh, our families, we thank you for the many blessings that you have given us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.